I'm Dave Nordman, executive editor of the Telegram and Gazette, uh, joined on this Voice of Business by Tim Murray, CEO and president of the Worcester Regional Chamber of Commerce. Welcome, Tim. Well, thank you, Dave. Uh, it's good good to be here. I want to thank Fidelity Bank, who sponsors the show, and, and the Telegram and Gazette, who helped facilitate this first segment. Uh, we we appreciate the opportunity to kind of come on and talk about issues uh, and programs that are happening at the Chamber. Yeah, uh, it's always... Uh, a lot of a lot of programs, um, a lot of uh, great events at the chamber. Um, you know what's uh, what's the latest and greatest, and you know uh, what do you bring uh, what do you bring to the show today, Tim? Well, you know at the, the chamber we use three words to kind of frame our work or, or recruit, retain, incubate, and you know on a regular basis we're trying to recruit developers, investors, companies uh, into the region, and you know. And in, 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 to be successful, though, in that regard, you need pad-ready sites. You need locations where companies can come and invest, you know, whether it be housing, whether it be expansion of a facility, whether it be, you know, a new commercial industrial space. And, you know, for cities like Worcester, gateway cities across the Commonwealth, uh, but as well as, you know, mill towns, when you think of central Massachusetts and the Blackstone Valley, uh, you know, m- many of these these communities, whether a gateway city or or mill towns, uh, you know, had that had an industrial legacy, oftentimes have older, contaminated, sometimes closed sites that are sitting there vacant or underutilized. And one of the ways that in Worcester and in many of those towns across the Commonwealth, one of the ways that they've been successful and getting those properties back onto the tax rolls, creating jobs, you know, cleaning up the ravages of environmental contamination is through uh, is through investment. And one of the things that has that, that 1998 was created by the legislature, signed by Governor Salucci, was the Brownfields Tax Credit Program. It's a program that's been enormously successful, um, but unfortunately, over the last several years, because of uh, kind of some unilateral changes in Department of Revenue and the Department of Environmental Protection, the program is 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 becoming dramatically underutilized and, uh, you know, facing additional obstacles. That's a disincentive for developers to clean up brownfield sites. Yeah. Now, uh, Cyrus Moulton, who wrote, uh, wrote the story in the Sunday uh, Telegram, uh, um, you know, it, it really, I think the headline kind of says it all. Brownfields and Worcester, other gateway cities stuck in red tape, you know, from the state, according to some advocates. Yeah. And, and you know, we, we this is an issue that is not just for Central Mass, but we have a disproportionate, again, because of this industrial legacy and history, we have a high number of brownfield sites, as they're called, across the city and in Central Massachusetts. But NIOP, which is a, a statewide development org- uh, advocacy organization, has identified this problem. So there were two programs that basically, again, were utilized for decades successfully by developers the Brownfields Revolving Loan Fund and the Brownfield Tax Credits. The state has made changes to those programs, uh, oftentimes without the legislature knowing, that are, are really stymieing people's ability, investors' abilities to use them. And, you know, no one has been able yet, Dave, to explain what's prompting these changes. You know, we've heard uh, anecdotally that the, that some developers inappropriately claimed costs of, of you know that that were not intended to be captured or utilized in the brownfields tax credit 
Well, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. If, if there are certain select developers that are not using this appropriately, deal with them accordingly. But don't basically shut down the program. I mean, applications times, which used to be six months, now approaching two years. Um, uh, often t- they're also kind of putting these clawback provisions so that if they find that there was an issue, that something was claimed that shouldn't have been used, even after the tax credit sold, they're going to come after the developer. That that These things all cr- have a chilling effect that reduced the incentive to use them, thus reduced the incentive to clean up challenging properties. Yeah, and talk about, you know, for the readers who may not know what a brownfield is or some examples of some uh, brownfields in and around Worcester uh, that were once these, um, you know, many times like, you know, older businesses that are now turned into, uh, you know, uh, something else. Yeah, I mean, a great example, and Cyrus Moulton did a, did a you know, great story, great you know, reporting on this story, and we appreciate it because it's complicated. But I think the best example is Gateway Park. You know, that had a number of industrial sites. Uh, some were still in use. Others were, were, were vacant. Um, so those the readers who, again, don't know where Gateway, Gateway Park, Park would be over by, you know, WPI, exactly. where the old Worcester Volk was. Uh, people might have remember, you know, there was a, a, a party supply store, but there had been a, a metal plating company, which uh, had been abandoned. And so it's, uh, you know, you would say kind of over uh, Lower Grove Street yep. and some of the older factory sites behind where the North Works restaurant used to be in Fix. The, all that property between there and 290 mm-hmm. uh, was cleaned up. The Worcester Business Development Corporation, uh, the mayor, uh, I, was the, I was the mayor at the time. We worked with Congressman McGovern, and we were able to cobble together various funding sources. WPI was a lead partner in that. And the Brownfields Tax Credit was a key tool in the tool box of cleaning up that site. And another more recent example would be the Fidelity Bank Worcester Ice Center. Uh, Again, the WBDC working with Cliff Rucker cleaned up the old uh, factory that had been there uh, for a number of years had been vacant. And they cleaned up that brownfield site. Again, incentivizing tens of millions of dollars in redevelopment, expanding the tax base, creating jobs, creating a, a destination that's bringing people into the city. So these are tangible examples of, of how the tax credit... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and Cyrus points out in his story, just to kind of throw some numbers out there for the, uh, for the listeners. I mean, before, you know, the Worcester Ice Center, Fidelity Bank Worcester Ice Center, um, you know, was the ice rink, uh, you know, the city collected about $35,000 in... in in uh, real estate taxes, and in two years later, it was almost two hundred thousand dollars in real estate right. taxes. Right, and and the other piece is the environmental benefit. I mean, the, you have you have you know soil and contaminants in the, in the ground that are that are dirty, that oftentimes leach into water systems, uh, plume you know into other properties. Uh, you know, oftentimes are in lower income neighborhoods uh, uh, with predominantly people of color. So there's an environmental be- benefit here. There's a racial justice issue here. So you, and this is a program that both Democratic and Republican governors have supported, various legislatures over the years. So you've got, you know, bureaucrats who are kind of unilaterally, it seems, making these changes. And 
that is having a chilling effect on the use of the program, stymieing development at a time when we want development. You know, we've got an economy that has got challenges right now. We, we again, have identified issues of, of, of racial and, and economic justice and then the environmental pieces. There's no better time. If anything else, Dave, we should be enhancing the tax credit program and, and promoting it. Now, that being said, if there are some efficiencies that can be, you know, bureaucratic or administrative efficiencies that can be identified, if there are, are some situations where people, some a few bad actors are using is inappropriate, make the tweaks or changes, but don't basically, you know, snuff out the program. And and we're grateful that Lieutenant Governor Polito, when we, we brought this to her attention, is putting together a working group to try to, you know, fix what needs to be fixed, but but don't, you know, as I said, dismantle the program that has been enormously successful and has a great track record. Yeah, when you're talking about dismantling the program, you know, and, you know, wait times, you know, being quadrupled, you know, um, I guess the who and the what and like, you know, like, is there a finger to be pointed? Is there a reason? Is there something that could be easily fixed or well, somebody to talk to? Yeah, well, that, that's, you know, we, we have had our, you know, first working group and it seems to be this is coming from DOR and the Department of Revenue, the State Department of Revenue and the State Department of Environment, so, Environmental Protection. So, I mean, for the record, I mean, uh, the Telegram did reach out to DOR and it's, you know, in its story and they, they you know, they didn't uh, didn't have a comment for the story. Right. So, well, you know, this is you know, and this is also an issue that that you know we are again we're grateful to the lieutenant governor, but but uh, for doing you know and, and bringing together this group, which we hope will have a successful outcome. But again, this was something. This is legislation, and it seems to be that these kind of unilateral changes by these these you know agencies seems to be countered to the legislative intent. Legislative intent. So we'll also continue to, to work with our legislators uh, here locally, again, and I think this is a good issue with this bipartisan support, you know, whether you're a Republican from one of the mill towns down at Republican state rep from one of the mill towns in the Blackstone Valley, or, you know, or an urban uh, state rep from Worcester, both communities have utilized these things and, and recognize that it's an important tool in the economic development yeah, it's, toolbox. And, it, and it's not just the developers it's it's the state officials as well. I mean, it seems to be momentum coming from both sides. Yeah, and 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 you know, municipalities, you know, again, don't have a lot of discretionary dollars that they can throw at these pro, 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 projects, and so this tool is is really important. And uh, so we're going to make the case. And also engage with the Gateway Cities Caucus, again, uh, because we think there's a great track record in, in many of these places of how this has been a catalyst in redeveloping properties. Yeah. So, uh, Tim, where do we go from here? I mean, where, is, where does the story continue? Well, I think it's uh, two, we're, we go down parallel tracks. Uh, we're going to continue to take advantage of the opportunity that Lieutenant Governor Polito has put together here with um, this, this working group. But I think at the same time, we've got to work with the legislature so that they can you know, bring their uh, influence to bear to make sure that the legislation as passed is implemented as intended. And we're going to also then then continue to tell the story of, of an advocate f- of how these are, these are, you know, are successful because it's a technical program and it can be, but at the end of the day, when you talk about these before and afters, the, the, just a picture can tell a thousand words, but also the numbers. You, know, you talked about some of the numbers that Cyrus Moulton shared in the story in this past Sunday's Telegram about how a property that was paying $35,000 a year in taxes is paying two hundred. Never mind the employment that it's caused. Right. Gateway Park has played a key role in transforming a part of Worcester 
that uh, was vacant and creating a corridor along Grove Street. And I think that's what a lot of people, people initially look at the the numbers, right? And they look at the, but it's, if anybody that's down on Harding Street knows that if it wasn't for the Worcester Ice Center, you know, the, uh, the you know, the vacant factory buildings behind it wouldn't, you know, maybe they would, but maybe they wouldn't be being developed into condos and maybe the compass tavern isn't the compass. I mean, there's just a whole lot more that goes into these places than just the initial project. So Dave, you know, this week, um, our chamber quarterly newspaper is going to hit, hit, you know, hit, hit houses and homes and our members mailboxes, the Fidelity Bank Worcester ice center in 2019 before COVID brought 500,000 visitors into the canal district. Think about those people going to the restaurants, the coffee shops, places like the Broadway, Lock 50, you know, heading over to yeah, Queen's Cups and uh, Queen's yeah. Cups, all, all these, you know, places. Uh, so, so that's, it's a plus. And, and so, again, to, to, it's, it's, there's really been no good exp- explanation. I said to these, you know, uh, representatives from DOR and, and, and DEP, you know, you know, what what is what is wrong here? What what are you trying to fix? And if it ain't broke, don't fix right. it. Right. And if and if and if there are isolated instances of the system not being used as it should be, then f- fix those items and don't penalize yeah. the the big picture. Right. If there are administ- you know some some administrative tweaks you need to make, fine. But sometimes it's not even you don't need to tweak. Just hold the people accountable that aren't using it or trying to pull a fast one. I mean that that, that seems to be you know common sense. But uh, this program's got a terrific track record. Both the uh, the Brownfields Revolving Loan Fund and the tax credits. If anything, our our leaders should be strengthening the program, putting more resources into them if we're looking to come out of this uh, economic downturn caused by COVID-19. No, just a, uh, you know, it's a story that I think um, I know we'll be following for a while and, um, you know, and I'm sure you will be as well. Yep. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Uh, That is Tim Murray, CEO and president of the Worcester Regional Chamber of Commerce. I'm Dave Nordman, executive editor of the Telegram Gazette. We'll do it again next week, Tim. Thank you.